This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 129. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. So for today's episode, the topic is Keep Down the Noise. Now, this week's topic is another topic that I frequently get questions about from new photographers, student photographers. And when I say keep down the noise, I'm not talking in this episode about how to keep your neighbor from running the lawnmower at 7 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and ruining your sleep, or how to get the kids to quiet down and settle down when you're trying to relax in the evening and they're running through the house and screaming and hollering and jumping on the beds and the furniture and everything else. Uh, No, this has to do with noise in your photography. So first, let's talk about noise as it pertains to photography. What exactly is noise in your photographs? Well, noise is the pixelation that can happen to your images when you use too high of an ISO setting in order to capture your image. Now, many of the new cameras are capable of very high ISO settings. Some as high as 256,000, believe it or not. I think there's even maybe one camera on the market that can supposedly go as high as ISO 1 million or something ridiculously crazy like that. Now, the thing to keep in mind is increasing the ISO on your camera does allow you to compensate for low light conditions, but it's not the ideal way to compensate for low light. The ISO setting makes your camera sensor more sensitive to the ambient light and changes your exposure. So as you move the number higher, your camera is able to pull in more light from the light around it in the conditions in which you're shooting. The bad part is when you go too high in ISO, you start getting noise introduced into your images and they start to look sloppy or dirty instead of nice and clean and very fine quality. Now, even though most modern cameras can go to large ISO settings, it's not recommended to do so as the quality of the images suffer, as I mentioned a moment ago. Now, for many years, if you asked most any professional photographer, they would tell you that the maximum ISO that anyone should ever use is ISO 800, as once you got above 800, noise really became an issue. Now, that's not quite true today, um, because with the new modern camera technology, with digital cameras and the sensors, especially if you take um, a camera like uh, a Sony or a Nikon, they tend to be better low-light performers, although Canon has gotten a lot better, especially with their most recent additions in the R5 and the R6, their two latest mirrorless full-frame cameras. 
Now, one of the ways before that a camera manufacturer could keep down the amount of noise was to stay with a lower megapixel sensor, which is one of the reasons why Sony in their A7S series, which are their hybrid cameras that are made mostly for video but can do stills as well, they have stuck uh, for a long time with a 12 megapixel sensor. Now, Canon did the same thing in their flagship DSLR, the 1DX series. They've kept the sensor at 20 megapixels, even though they have other cameras that go considerably higher. You had the 5DS and the 5DSR at 50.1 megapixels. You had the EOS R at 36, I think it is. Um, you had the uh, the RP at 24, and so on and so forth. So with the advancements in technology, the staying below 800 doesn't really pertain as much, but still today, a lot of photographers will tell you that it's best not to go much higher than maybe 3,200 or 6,400, or you're going to start getting noticeable noise in your images. And that's just the nature of the beast. When you're compensating for low light conditions by using your ISO, which again is not the ideal way to do it, you're going to introduce these artifacts into your images. Now, ideally, um, and this is one of the ways I prefer to shoot, I like to keep my ISO as low as possible. In the day, you know, in the daytime, especially in the summer, if I'm outdoor shooting, I like to have my ISO at 100 or if with the expanded ranges on most Canon cameras, you can get as low as ISO 50. Uh, that's even better. Um, so I like to stay as low as possible in ISO, even with the newer, more modern cameras, just because I want to keep my images as clean as possible. And that is one of the that is the best way to do it is to keep the ISO as low as possible. So now, how do you keep down the noise if you're shooting in less than ideal lighting conditions? Well, the first thing you can do is use a better lens, one that's capable of a wider aperture to allow more light to get to your sensor. Now, the other option is you can also use artificial lighting such as strobes or speed lights or continuous light kits or something of that nature. Now, the wide lens option is the best as a lens with a wider aperture will nearly uh, will naturally allow more light into your sensor. Think of the aperture on your lens as being the same as the pupil in your eye. Now, when you are in low light conditions, your pupils enlarge so that your eyes can take in more light and allow you to see better in darker conditions. And the opposite, if it's a bright sunny day, then your pupils will become very, very small as you don't need nearly as much light in to see what's going on around you or see where you're going. Aperture works the same way as your pupil. When you have a wide aperture lens, say an f1.2 or an f1.4, your lens is opened up to that wider uh, diameter it's going to allow more of the ambient light to get to your sensor and help make that exposure. Uh, the downside of wide aperture lenses at the, is at, that they are generally fairly expensive. Now, I'm going to take a, a break right here for just a moment, and then I'll continue with this week's topic. 
We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now back to the show. Okay, and we're back. So as I mentioned a moment ago, a wider aperture lens is going to be considerably more expensive than a more narrowed aperture lens. So let me give you a good example. The most popular lens in the world, regardless of who the manufacturer is, is the 70 to 200 millimeters. Now, the 70 to 200 millimeter lens from most any manufacturer comes in at least two versions, an f4 and an f2.8. Now, the f4 is a fantastic lens and it will make beautiful images, especially if you're outdoors with good light. But if you need to shoot indoors, say at a concert or an indoor sport like basketball, the f2.8 is going to work better because it can open wider than the f4 by two stops. So it's going to let two stops more light get to your sensor to make the exposure. And so that's going to make a tremendous difference in your image quality and your performance when you're in those low light situations. Now, of course, the difference between the F2 and the F4 lens, aside from two stops of light gathering power, is the price and the weight. Now, the difference, for example, in the 70 to 200 F4L from Canon, brand new, costs around $1,200. Now, that's for the latest model, which I think is the Mark III, if I remember, as of the recording of this episode. And the Canon 70 to 200 millimeter F2.8 Mark III costs around $2,100. And there's also a significant difference in weight because of the fact that the 2.8 model of the lens has to be larger in diameter so that it can achieve that wider aperture, the 2.8 aperture throughout from 70 to 200 millimeters. Now, another, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the other option to prevent noise is to use artificial lighting such as speed lights, strobes or hot lights or even continuous LED lights, which I've switched to um, just because I don't like using the harsh, hot tungsten bulbs that originally came in my continuous lighting kit. I've swapped them out for natural daylight quality LED bulbs that are just as bright, actually maybe a little bit brighter, and they don't generate the heat. So if you're doing portraits, they're not going to make your model uncomfortable by bathing them in a constant heat wave as you're doing the photo shoot. Now, the lights are nice because they will allow you to keep your camera's ISO down really low as long as the lights are powerful enough to compensate for the poor natural lighting. Now, flash, though, in some situations is not ideal, um, such as at concerts or indoor sports, is the flash can become distracting, which is why if you're at a basketball game or watching one on TV, you'll notice that most all of the sports photographers there will have no flash at all, but will instead have those big fat 
2.8 millimeter 70 to 200s or 400 millimeter lenses something like that they're going to be using those to get those fantastic shots they need for sports magazines websites twitter instagram facebook whatever it's going to be you know wherever the uh, outlet is that the images are going to be disseminated to they're going to be using those big honking lenses and if you watch most of these professional sports you'll notice that most all of the photographers that are there are using those white lenses which are indicative of the canon l series lenses uh, canon hands down makes some of the best performing lenses out of all the companies that make lenses and i'm not saying that to knock anybody else uh, nikon has good lenses sony has good lenses sigma and tamron do as well but canon hands down makes some of the best lenses especially for sports and that's why Nine times out of 10, you'll see those professional sports photographers with those big honking white telephoto lenses, you know, at the sides of the court or on the sidelines or whatever the case may be. Now, I'm going to assume that you might not be rich enough to buy all of your lenses at f2.8 or wider, as it can be very costly, especially if you're an amateur or a hobbyist photographer, or you're a photography student just getting started out. You're not loaded, I'm going to assume, because I know I wasn't when I was a photography student. Uh, when I was first getting into photography, I didn't exactly have gobs of cash falling out my ears. Uh, so I can understand that. What I would recommend that you do is an invest in one expensive f2.8 zoom such as the 70 to 200 and then buy the rest of your lenses at whatever aperture range you can afford and use effectively now i recommend like i said the 70 to 200 and the reason for that is is because it gives you the widest range of popular focal lengths when you have the 70 to 200 you don't have the 50 which is a popular focal length but you do have 70 you've got 85 which is a popular portrait focal length you have 105 which is another popular portrait focal length and then you've got 135 which for the canon users is another popular portrait uh, focal length and then of course you've got the 200 millimeters on the far end to give you a little bit of additional reach and if you need to save money if like i said if you're not crawling in if you're not bathing in cash every night at home like scrooge mcduck um look for an older generation of a 70 to 200 as i mentioned a couple of moments ago the latest model of the 70 to 200 f4l is 1200 however if you also go on amazon and look for the first generation or the first version of the canon 70 to 200 f4l you can get that one for about 500 dollars because it's been around for a number of years and it's not a bad lens i'm not going to say that it's a terrible lens just because it's a, quite a few years old now it's still going to get the job done well it works the same with the 70 to 200 2.8 21 2200 is what the mark 3 version of that lens is going to cost you but if you opt to get the mark 2 or the mark 1 you're going to see considerable savings by going that route and the other option is you can always go to a third-party manufacturer like 
Sigma or Tamron, where you could get, for example, Tamron's latest 70 to 200 2.8 is their G2 series. Uh, that's their higher quality lens. And you can get that one for considerably less than the Canon model. Um, I'm not going to swear off the top of my head. I think the Tamron model runs about twelve or $1,300, maybe $1,400 for their 2.8. 70 to 200 versus Canon's being 21, 2200. So there's significant savings there. Now, another thing that you can do is if you want to try a good 70 to 200 2.8, you can always rent one from someone like Lens Rentals, uh, lensrentals.com. And I am a Lens Rentals affiliate. So if you want to use the link in the show notes to check out renting one of these lenses from them, um, you could use the affiliate link in the show notes. I'd really appreciate that. You'll kick back a dollar or two to the show. It won't cost you anything extra. It doesn't add any extra charges onto your rental. It just helps out the show a little bit. Now, the nice thing about lensrentals.com is you can try before you buy. So you could rent the lens for a week or two weeks or a month, just depending on what your needs are, what your situation is. Um, maybe you're going to shoot a wedding for a family member. It's your first time doing a wedding and you really want to have a 70 to 200 2.8, but you don't have, you know, 13 to $2,200 to drop on one right now. Well, you can go to somebody like the folks at lensrentals.com and you could rent one for a week for, I don't know, maybe 70 bucks or something like that. I, I don't know the pricing right off the top of my head at the moment, uh, but just, just to give you an idea, considerably less money than you would put out to buy one if money's tight or you're not 100% certain that that's the the wide uh, wide aperture telephoto lens you want to go with. Now, some people opt to go with um, this 24 to 70 is their first 2.8 throughout lens. That's another good option to go with. The nice thing about the 24 to 70 especially if you're a Canon shooter, is it's also a fantastic lens to use for videography. So if you're going to be doing stills and video as well, maybe that's the better option for you to go with. You won't have as long a reach on the long end of the lens, but you will have a much wider field of view on the short end, and you'll still be getting that f2.8 aperture throughout, which is going to help keep down the noise in your images. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. Thank you.
All right, and that is going to wrap up episode 129 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. I also wanted to remind you that the first book in my Forgotten Pieces of Georgia series, The Northwest Counties, is now on sale. You can pick up a signed copy at the LiamPhotography.net online store, or you can get an unsigned copy at amazon.com or barnesandnobles.com i also want to remind my listeners to check out my youtube channel aperture assassin as well as the youtube channels for forgotten pieces of georgia and forgotten pieces of pennsylvania those will be in the show notes that you can check them out please go ahead and hit like subscribe hit the little bell icon so you get notified when new videos release and i will see you all again in another seven days